All right. Missionary Enterprise, Missionary Aid International once again with an association with Zoel Embassy, Port Harcourt, Nigeria, Africa. This is day three, part three, regarding the anointing, pneumatology, lordship of the spirit. Amen, amen, amen. So let's do a short recap of day one and day two. On day one, we covered to some degree in great details what the Word of God had to say about the prominent place of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, within the Godhead in the context of the Genesis account. And then on day two, we covered to some degree in great details what the Word of God had to say about the same Spirit found in Genesis and the prominent place of the Spirit of God within the Godhead in the context of the Old Testament and some of the Old Testament saints. And then today's day three, part three, uh, which is today, we will jump straight into the New Testament, even though we've already looked at some New Testament references, giving our full attention to what the Word of God has to say about the Spirit of God in the context of the New Testament, beginning with the birth of Jesus, as well as the life and ministry of Jesus as a Jew, but also, more importantly, as the second Adam, the last Adam. After all these years of having the Holy Bible, uh, we still have far too many Christians who are still unaware that Jesus was born of a Jew, as a Jew, not of a Jew, of a Jew, but as a Jew. Uh, yes, but also born of the second, the last Adam, in contrast with the first Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 49. God the Word, deity, became man. John 1, 1 and 14, by the same Spirit we looked at in Genesis, uh, back in Genesis account and the Old Testament, in order to save fallen man. It took a man, it took a second Adam to save man, mankind, to take the place, to save mankind, take the place of the first Adam in order to start a new creation, a new human race, uh, called the body of Christ, the church the sons of God, and many other terms, of course. So Jesus, as the second Adam, was born of the Spirit according to his humanity. Therefore, he accomplished everything by the Spirit. We need to understand that. So Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ, as the second last Adam, took place under these circumstances when his mother, Mary, not the, the mother of God, but Mother Mary, had been promised in marriage to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Note, the two key words in all of this is the word birth in context with the word spirit. The word birth reminds me of being born of the spirit. Yes, but also these key words create, make, which we already looked at back in Genesis. The Spirit is the one who actually does the creating, the making, as well as the birthing, because He is the performer of the Word of God, going back to what we already covered in Genesis. Let's look at John 1.14, regarding the Incarnation, the birth of the second Adam, and God, the Word, became, the word we got the word genome there, flesh, human, incarnate, Jesus, the last Adam, and tabernacled, fixed His tent, of flesh lived a while among us, and we actually saw His glory, His honor, His majesty, 
such glory as an only begotten Son receives from His Father, full of grace, favor, love, and kindness, and truth. Note, another great reference to the birth of the second Adam, yet this time there's no reference to the Holy Spirit, yet He is very much involved, especially with that word genome, especially in light of the word genome, there it is. God became flesh, God became man, God became human, but sinless man. Whoa, the sinless one. Amen. Thank God for that. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. There is none. Don't go looking for it. You've, if you found it, you found another salvation. Mm. Colossians 1.18, another uh, great reference to the birth of Jesus, basically. He is also the head of the body, the church, seeing that he is the beginning, the first to be born from among the dead, so that he, Jesus alone, in everything and in every respect, might occupy the chief place, stand first and preeminent. And I want to see that in my life, and I want to see that in the church, because that's God's perfect will. Note, this reference to firstborn refers to the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, God the Word becoming God's firstborn Son, yet from the dead means that Jesus as a human being was the very first to be born in 4,000 years, uh, spiritual life to God among a spiritually dead human race, a human species, because of since the fall of man in order to take the place of the first Adam, which is called the substitution. Wow. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Mm. Your spiritual pipe, of course. All of this in context with Genesis 5, 1, 3, of course. From the fall of man until the birth of Jesus, as well as until now, every baby born oh, oh, was and is born without the image of God, meaning born with the wrong image, which is a corrupt image, making these babies spiritually dead. Uh-oh, they're going to crucify me for that one. Wow, Jesus was born of the same spirit we read about in Genesis regarding the first Adam having been created in God's image by the Spirit. After establishing the birth of Jesus, which we just did by the Spirit, let's move on to the life and ministry of Jesus by the same Spirit. Since Jesus was fully dependent upon the Spirit, how much more with us today part of His body? If we weren't part of His body, we would not be we should not be fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. We're, we're part, we're in union with Jesus, making us part of his body. Mm, very serious stuff. Very serious. All right? When I start preaching and teaching again, when I start traveling, I'm going to be as serious as they come. All right? Because this is serious stuff. Matthew 4, 1, regarding Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus was led, guided by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Note, here we have one of the first references to Jesus as the second Adam being led by the Spirit, which is the same Spirit he was born of. Spirit born to be Spirit-led. I like that. Jesus was habitually, continually led by the Spirit in all that he said and did, which is why he had so much fruit. And I just want to say this, that when Jesus went into the wilderness and did what he did, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's what Adam should have done back in the garden. He should have said, no, God said. It is written. God said, no, don't eat of this tree. Hey, it's settled. Boom. All right? Mm -mm, he didn't. John 3, 34. For since he 
whom God has sent speaks the words of God, proclaims God's own message. God does not give him, talking about Jesus, his spirit sparingly or by measure, but boundless in the gift of God, gift God makes of his spirit. Note, Jesus had access to the fullness of the spirit, and so do we in many ways according to our individual gifting, callings in his body. Jesus did everything by the Spirit, and so must we as His body. He preached and taught by the Spirit, drove out demons, and healed the sick by the Spirit, raising the dead by the Spirit. What do we not understand about this? Walked on water by the Spirit, and so much more. Yeah, exactly. Ra uh, turning water into wine, the whole thing. Same Spirit in Genesis, who is the Creator. Creator. Let's look at Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expect it. All right, here we go. Not Note, like I just said, because Jesus had the fullness of the Spirit, John 3.34, he did everything by the Spirit, driving out demons, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, teaching the crowds. Yeah, same Spirit back in Genesis 1-2. Same, same, same Spirit. Anything done for and in the kingdom of God has to be done by the Spirit or else you are not operating out of the kingdom, but out of your flesh. All right? The kingdom works with the new man and not the old man. All right? Mm. Acts 10.38. How God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, again. And with strength and ability and power, how he went about doing good and in particular, curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. Note, this verse is one of the best examples regarding Jesus as a man doing everything as a man dependent upon God to get God's work done, anointed with the anointing in order to do good. I, I used to hear this verse all the time, this one church I went to. It was a Word of Faith church. It meant nothing to me. Zero. It meant nothing to me. And really, they didn't walk in it either, but he kept on preaching on Oh, he didn't preach on it. He just kept on mentioning it. It just went right over my head like a lead balloon. Well, now it's a part of my life, or it's going to be part of my life. Now we will look at another aspect of Jesus working and operating miracles, signs and wonders, etc., by the same Spirit who is the actual miracle worker. Yeah, that's what I said. The Holy Spirit is the miracle worker. Mm. Let's look at Mark 11. Now, this gets a little bit tedious here, but anyhow, follow closely. And I uh, got the notes here. Mark 11, 14, and then 20 to 21 is related with Genesis 1, 3 to 4. 14 to 21. In response, Jesus said to it, the fig tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard. They heard it. They heard what he said. Yeah, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembering, oh, remembering Jesus, what he said to the fig tree. Hey, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed or which you spoke to has withered away. Wow, you got what you said, Jesus. Note, in verse 14, we see Jesus speaking to a tree. Yes, he did actually speak to a tree. How often, and he spoke to the waves and he spoke to a lot of things. How often do you speak to a tree, etc.? And in verse 20, it says that the disciples saw with their very own eyes regarding what Jesus had said in verse 14, which actually happened 
came to pass, all right? And in verse 21, it says, Peter remembering, yeah, remembering what? Hey, remembering what Jesus had said and done the day before in verse 14. In other words, Peter told Jesus, Rabbi, look, what you said came to pass, or what you said, you got exactly what you said, which is found in verse 22, and especially verse 23 of Mark 11. Mm-hmm. Note, now my question is this. Who is the one who actually caused that fig tree to dry up from the roots? Was it Jesus? No, it was the Spirit. Yet there is no specific reference to the Holy Spirit, but based upon everything we've looked at so far, it was the Spirit Himself who did and performed the miracle. We just looked at Acts 10.38. He did everything by the Spirit. All right? All of this in context with what we had read on the first day regarding Genesis 1, 3-4. God said. God saw. God had to perform and bring into existence, uh, bring into being what He said so that He could see what He said, which was done, performed, and brought into existence by the Spirit. Verse 2, Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit. Note, uh, this principle or this law of speaking and seeing or speaking things into existence originates back in the beginning, the Genesis account, the beginning of all beginnings, all the way into the New Testament. Let's take, a, let's take the time to read the rest of the key verses out of Mark 11, uh, 22 to 24 for greater clarity. Let's read 22, 23, and 24. So Jesus answered them. Jesus answered and said to them, he's saying this, after all we just read, right? Have faith in God or have the faith of God. 23, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart or does not doubt at all in his heart, the Greek amplified, but here's the New King James, but believes that those things he says will be done, will be performed, will come into existence. He will have whatever he says. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. We're teaching this stuff. Ha, good. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask or say, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You will have what you say. You will have what you pray for. Yeah. Note, before Jesus said all of this to his disciples as well as to us today, he proved that they could have what they say, of course, all of this based upon John 5. I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I see my, what I hear my father saying. In other words, as long as we're saying what the Spirit is telling, leading us to say, as well as in faith, we can have and see what we say in the very same way that God, that God operated back in the beginning. Wow, this has caused so much controversy in the church, and I know why. I understand why, because most of the guys that teach it, they teach it wrong overall, and they don't live. They don't live it. <coughs> Another note, this is the law or the God kind of faith, the law of faith at its best. Yet all of this has caused all kinds of unnecessary controversy and confusion over the years, most probably because it has not been taught right. You can't just go around speaking whatever you want to speak. No, 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 no. Expecting God to bring it into power, bring it into existence for you. And even if you are speaking what he told you to speak, there has to be faith in it. Getting rid of all the doubt, little, getting rid of the little faith, getting rid of the wavering, the unbelief, which takes time and 
patience. Wow, yes. This is how you change your circumstances as well as your city, your nation, the nations. Going back to Genesis. Yes, having the dominion that God gave mankind. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. This is how you exert God, this God-given dominion over your own life, your finances, your health, calling, city, nation, and over the works of the God of this world. This is how things work for you. Yes. And if you don't know how to operate in this, things are not going to work for you. You're going to be doing a lot of stuff in the flesh. Been there, done that, but we're getting free from that. Oh, let's look at this one here. John 4, 46 to 53. So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick. And at Capernaum, when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come and down and heal his son, for he was to the point of death. He was dying, man. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Uh, 49, the nobleman said, the no, the, not the doberman, the nobleman said to Jesus, Sir, come down before my child eyes. Get over here, Jesus. 50 to 52, and then 53, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. Wow, this is great here, all right? So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. This is key. Jesus said something, and then the man believed. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Oh, we just heard Jesus saying that. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The fever just said, Hey, I got to get out of here, man. The Holy Spirit's here. I got mm, I'm being rebuked. Yeah, he left, right? All right. Verse 53. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. They all got born again. Amen. Well, maybe not, maybe not born again yet because uh, Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet. But anyhow, this note. This is a perfect example of Jesus operating by the Spirit, yet there's no mention of the Spirit in all of this. But he is actively involved in all of this based upon everything we just read so far. So we have the very same principle here that we just saw in Mark 11 and Genesis 1. In verse 50 here, we just read, we have these key words, Jesus said, Go your way, your son lives. And in verse 51, we have, your son lives, as well as in verse 53, three times. The very same words Jesus spoke, your son lives, in verse 50, are found in 51 and 53. In other words, Jesus got exactly what he said because he was led by the Spirit to speak those words in faith, but also the man believed. That was key also. Also, and key in all this is the word believe in verse 50. That's very key. There's got to be faith somewhere either from Jesus himself, right, or from the person that is hearing what Jesus is saying. Note, while the man's son was sick and dying, verse 46 to 47, Jesus said that he lives. Wow! Mm, where do we get that from? Which is also found in Romans 4, 17, especially 17b, calling those things that be not as though they were, right? Note, to also, worth noting that we have the word said, in verse 50 and 53, which brings us back to Mark 11, right? Three times say, New King James, uh, 23. 
And Genesis 1, God said, right? Jesus got exactly what he said by the Spirit. Let's look at Mark 5.30. And Jesus recognizing in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. Mm, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, Hey, who touched my clothes? Did you touch my clothes? Mm, no, that's not what he did. Hallelujah. Note, the word power is referring to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.16, 20, and Acts 10.38, the Holy Spirit and with power. Note, we have many references where Jesus did not lay hands on anyone, but simply spoke the word and they were healed or someone got healed that was not even in his presence. How is that possible? The Holy Spirit is a creator as well as the healer, meaning he's actually the one that does the actual healings. Jesus bore the sicknesses at the cross, also becoming our substitute. And once there was is faith in that truth, in that reality, the Spirit is able to perform, is free to perform the healing or the salvation or whatever, the deliverance, whatever, whatever is needed. We see Jesus going from city to city, town to town, village from village, healing all manners of diseases, but it's not him doing the actual healing. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. Other notable and remarkable miracles Jesus did or accomplished by the Spirit. Let's look at some of these here. We're almost done here. Matthew 14, 25 to 31, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them walking on the sea. Wow, you ever tried that before? Mm, better have your swimsuit on, even maybe your snorkel. Ha! And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Oh no, saying it is a spirit, it's a ghost, it's a phantom. Oh no, it's Halloween time. Ah! No. Uh, Halloween time, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're getting close to Halloween, but I don't celebrate it. It's spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straight away, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Hey, be a good cheer. It's me. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid. 28 to 31. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, if it's really you, bid me come unto thee on the water. Wow, Peter, good for you. <laughs> yeah, right. And he said, Jesus said, come, come on, Peter. Come and join me. Come and join the party on the water. Let's walk on water together. Let's dance on water. Hallelujah. Yeah, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Wow, to go see Jesus. Peter walked on water. Hey, my name's Peter. My name's Pierre. Well, Peter is the English word for the word Pierre, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, but when he saw the, one bo the wind boisterous, oh no, Peter, don't walk by sight. You've got to walk by faith. He was afraid. No kidding. I'd be too. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Oh, we still got a lot of Christians. Oh, Lord, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me. Yeah, but I already saved you at the cross. Mm, yeah. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught Peter. Peter must have, must have been a pretty big guy. I don't know, maybe a little guy. I don't know, but Jesus was strong. Uh, and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Mm -mm. Oh, what a rebuke, okay? Wherefore this thou doubt. Oh, King James? I use King James? Really, eh? Anyhow, no references, note, no references whatever to the spirit or even to angels, but rest assured they had a vital role to play in all of it. They were there, man. They were there. They're invisible. They're invisible. 
Mark 4, 35 to 41. Excellent stuff here. On the same day, let's look at 35 to 38. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, he said, hey, come on, boys, let us cross over to the other side. 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm, uh-oh, hurricane proportion, according to the Amplified, arose, oh, very important word here, arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up, uh-oh, and he, but Jesus, oh, what was he doing? Was Jesus, what was he, afraid? Oh, no, what's happening, guys? I told you the guys come, let's go across, and this is happening? Oh, no, no, he was sleeping on a pillow. They had pillows back then? Good for them. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? No, I don't really care about you. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to go through all of this hogwash, all of this rubbish stuff that I really shouldn't have to go through for you guys. And you're saying that I don't care for you? Like, give me a break, boys. All right? 39 to 41. Then Jesus arose. What did he do? I would have rebuked the disciples. Well, he did rebuke the disciples, but he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? After everything I've taught you. This happened right after teaching on the parables of the sower. Don't have time to get into that, all right? Mm. Note, once again, there are no references whatsoever to the Spirit or even to God's angels, but rest assured they had a vital role to play in all of this. Uh, verse 39, We in verse 39, we see Jesus speaking words, speaking to the storm. Mm -mm, and he got exactly what he said, founded upon Mark 11, 23. Mark 11, Mark 11, 23. And you know what? Jesus didn't just tell his disciples to have the faith of God. Jesus lived it before them. This is the problem with our preachers, man. And I got to be careful with this too. I teach a lot on this, but I got to walk in it. So if all these guys, the word of faith guys, if they were actually walking in what they teach, you know what? The cessationists, they they wouldn't be cessationists anymore. They'd be going, you know what? Mm, this, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe Jesus really meant what he said. Yeah, exactly. This is the problem, all right? Let's look at John 2, 6 to 9. 6 to 9. Now there were set there six water pots of stone. Oh, they must have been heavy. According to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Mm, yeah, but they're made for wine, right? Huh? Yeah. So, and they filled them up. To the brim, right to the brim. Oh no, they're water pots, that's right. And he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. Oh, oh really? It was made wine? Really? They're water pots. They're not wine pots. They're water pots. But they ran out of wine, right? If you read the whole context. And they did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew uh, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Note, once again, there are no references whatsoever to the Holy Spirit. But rest assured, he, the Holy Spirit, had a vital role to play in all of this, like he did 
back in Genesis. There is only one person that is qualified, yes, and fit to transform water into wine or even wine into water. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be turning all the wine out there into water. Haha, <laughs> so nobody can get drunk anymore in wine, anyhow. Which happens to be the one who and only, the one and only who is mentioned back in Genesis 1-2, which I already did a teaching on that, so you got to go back to the first video on this. So my note, my final, final note on this, the creator of the water, right? Overall, water. Who created water? Who created the sea? Who created wind? Who created wine? Uh, the grapes for the wine. Who created the human body? Right? Genesis 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2. Who is the Spirit of God is the miracle. He's the one. He's the creator, the miracle worker, the performer of miracles. As I finish all my teachings, I encourage you to learn what it takes to walk in the fullness of your sonship by learning to walk in the grace of God as well as in the faith of God because it's faith that gives access to the grace of God. Shalom and amen.